For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Listening to the On Stage Podcast with Chris Peterson and Ben Frawley. All right, all right, welcome. This is the On Stage Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frawley. With us always is one of the head creators of the onstage blog chris peterson come online chris say hi hey hello everybody hello 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 yes yes so <laughs> just want to th- congratulate you man i really haven't i don't talk to you a lot so it's yeah it's awesome that we have this forum um did i see that even just on facebook do you have eight thousand seven hundred followers or something we like that just surpassed eight thousand followers yeah. yeah it's been crazy and, yeah uh, a little less yeah, yeah that's awesome dude that's yeah in just one year in just one year, we started May thirteenth of last year. Crazy. That's huge. That's so crazy. I mean, that's so like okay. So let me let me get into this. I was gonna get yeah. into this a little later, but you know, I think this is a good. <laughs> it's our first episode, so I just wanted to get into what the blog is, how did it start. So, did you primarily start it, or did you and a couple other people start it? No, it was actually all me. To be honest with you, what. What happened was, which is pretty interesting, ironically, uh, it actually started as a podcast. I was like, you know what? There's a lot of theater going on in you know where I live and in, in the direct area that I live in. Why not you know take that flag and stick it in the ground and, and be that guy? And it started as a podcast, uh, but I was really, really boring by myself. Like, <laughs> like, we're talking like hour-long podcasts where I'm talking about nothing whatsoever. And actually – it took one person on fa- on Facebook basically saying, "Hey, um, I can't listen to you anymore, um, <laughs> but I think you would be really interesting as a blog." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I turned it into a blog, and it just kind of built and built and grew and grew. And then we started covering more shows and got more notoriety. We actually got into some trouble early on, and that kind of blew up our you know uh, notorious reputation in a way i guess you could say oh what um, oh what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hold on i wouldn't be a good host by asking so what happened what what well basically i mean i you know when when i started out basically by myself writing about everything i possibly could and i basically realized that so i started bringing in all these amazing writers and um, theater artists from all over the state of connecticut basically um using some of them were, were buddies of mine others were people i hadn't really met but knew that were really talented right. uh, and i ended up bringing on one person on who i guess you could say wrote reviews in a very kind of personal spin way she went beyond just the show and she would actually comment on you know the theater their business practices I mean, oh, she went whoa, off whoa, whoa. i mean in a lot of different directions which 
I kind of at the onset really liked because it was like, you know, where are you going to get that kind of coverage? Um, you know, <laughs> right. Like, and it, you know, something as theater, you usually don't get a lot of racy coverage. So no, exactly. something like, Oh, cool. Maybe we'll get some, what do you call it? Hits, not exactly. Ratings, hits, hits yeah. views, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. And my, my philosophy is I always want to be honest. I mean, a lot of times you read these reviews of community theater and local theater and they're very gushy because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and all that stuff, which is fine. But when someone reads praise from us, they can know it, it's actually genuine. And it's right. Kind of you want good reviews and bad reviews. Exactly. So right. this woman, she wrote a really great review, but then she wrote a really, really bad review. And she went on uh, beyond, I guess you could say, what normally critics would do. And, and ca I came to find out that she actually had auditioned for this show, had gotten cast in a role that she didn't necessarily want, so to speak, um, and ended up uh, leaving the production. Well, um, I already don't like her because... Uh... <laughs> There so, are no small parts, right? There are, exactly. Said the man it's, with like the smallest part ever in Cuckoo's <laughs> Nest right now, opening tomorrow. So, Minor plug, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she ended up writing a review about like their casting process, their business process. She actually, they're a nonprofit theater group and she actually at one point said like the words like, well, they're doing it to like make money and things like that, which is like a big no-no. So right. uh, for that early, but in, in terms from, of, from the theater themselves, exactly. They, they kind okay. of called up and were like, Hey, you really can't talk about us on that level. And um, claiming we're profit when clearly we're not profit that can get us in a lot of trouble. They were absolutely right. So I ended up, I ended up basically kind of changing the article, editing it. So this way, you know, we can't get sued. So like, a, like a retraction, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, that, but in the process that brought a lot of attention on, uh, to us. Plus this was a production of Les Miserables where, um, there were, for some reason, I, I didn't see the production, but there were a lot of kids in the show playing what roles. I have no idea because it's Les Miserables, but apparently yeah, there's there a lot were, like, of, a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Misery. Misery, exactly. That usually kids misery. shouldn't be. I don't know if it'd be really fun to see kids right. going through that dramatic of a misery, yes. but you know what? Especially during the like the lovely ladies uh, scene and all that stuff. It's yeah, like, how do they do that? How do they do that? But apparently, there were little kids in the show, and she wasn't criticizing the kids, but she certainly was criticizing how the kids were used on stage. But parents kind of read that wrong and were like, how dare you say bad things about kids in a production and blah, blah, blah. So like I said, it was kind of like a really negative reaction, but it was a reaction and it was a large reaction. So that kind of built – we kind of built from there. Wow. Um, OK. And you know, since then no, – uh, No bad publicity. You know? No, exactly. No such thing as bad publicity, especially early on. And. Right. But since then, we've kind of blown up to a level of, you know, every – I would say every two or three months, we kind of hit on something that um, either a lot of people, you know, love, they hate, they have strong feelings about. Um, and you just see the numbers and the popularity grow. And, and that's what um, is really great about theater because there's no there's no topic that's too taboo. And you, you can spit out anything like, I hate – Stephen Sondheim, even though it's not true, but that's going to get a lot of people talking, right. you know, like things like that. So that's, that's well, yeah, what it's, it's really interesting to see the reaction to some Facebook arguments. And like, I'm like, man, I can't sit back and let people just bash whatever. <laughs> Usually it's movies, but, right. um, but theater, I have some strong opinions on as well. You know what right. I mean? And, and so you, you, you build followers from Facebook posts like that, but also you build hits, you build views, you, and it's really cool how, 
that what website do you use to to uh, produce or your well we've kind of we've moved from a couple different sites we originally used blogger which or blogspot which right. was okay but it's very basic and then we yep. went yep. to wordpress which is a little bit better i saw um, that i used that yeah. for a couple that was pretty cool pretty good i mean they've got a lot of platforms and templates and things like that which are pretty good and actually for social media purposes um they're probably to be honest with you probably the best out there um minor plug um but now we're using um squarespace which is Hmm. better for us because it's really more of a website constructive you know landing page um they're really good about you know building your own site building your businesses your so this way you could really develop your site a lot easier and you're kind of unrestrained from like for instance if we you know we're doing advertising on the site right now right and squarespace doesn't get any of that all that revenue comes to us wordpress blogger they would take a piece of all that stuff yeah right i mean that's how they make their money but how do how does the how do these guys make their money basically to get the account that we have um you know, to have that freedom, we, we pay probably, I think it's like, you know, $200 a year or something like that. So, you know, they make their money probably through membership fees and access fees. So this way, you know, oh, you're cool. paying that's, for them. That's not nice. To so, you know, yeah. yeah, they're not messing with your service and, you know, you know, uh, promoting something that you don't agree with and all that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So but anyway, so a little segue from the blog to, mm-hmm. um, little RL, which I like to call real life. Uh, yeah. So you had an article in there, and this is post Tony's about um, that I thought was really interesting. Uh, I personally uh, did not watch the Tonys. Oh, um, wow. but shame. <laughs> well, and apparently to Stern, uh, not a lot of people did this yeah, year. Yeah, um, right. And but your article was kind of slamming the CBS broadcast of the Tonys, or just how the award show kind of went. Mm-hmm. You know, and just the state of award shows. I, I, well, already the Tonys are different than the Academy Awards because Academy Awards, you can show clips of a movie mm-hmm. and you can get the gist where even a musical, you do a musical number from a musical and it's not the whole musical. You don't get the feeling of the whole show. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, can you speak upon... Your article. What was that historical moment right. that happened during the Tonys? Well, I mean, you know, there were a couple actually, and that's the that was the great thing about this Tony Awards was that, um, you know, for the first time ever, right. um, a, a musical that was a uh, a musical about a, a lesbian protagonist. Like the show is actually built around a woman coming out, um, you know, you know, not not knowing her father was also gay. I, it was just such a great issue. Uh, that's never been discussed on Broadway. For some reason, as progressive as Broadway has been when it comes to dealing with different identities and sexuality and all these other things, for some reason, you know, it, that topic of lesbians has always been kind of this taboo thing for Broadway. So for that musical to win that award was huge. And beyond that, I mean, when you talk about the, the total scope of the award shows, um, it was a female-dominated um, Tony Awards, and not yeah. just from Fun Home alone. Um, I mean, the woman who directed in- *The Curious Incident of the Dog at the Midnight*, um, you know, won Best Director of a Play. Uh, best Costume Designer was a female. Best, you know, Set Design, um, I believe, was a female. So, yeah. or Best Lighting Designer. So, like, you saw all these women that were winning their categories um, over their male fellow male nominees, and it was really historic. But the problem that you have with the Tony Awards is unlike 
the Academy Awards where the Academy Awards are all about the awards. It's all mm-hmm. about the, you know, it's all about the acceptance speeches because that's the granddaddy of them all. Right. Um, but shows like the Tonys, shows, award ceremonies like the Tonys, award ceremonies like the Grammys, they're all about the performances. They're all about the performances. That's all they talk about the next day. That's what gets the most YouTube hits, all that stuff. So you see these amazing moments and historic moments being quickly played off stage um, or pre-taped during commercial breaks of the actual ceremony. Oh. The, yeah. And the public never gets to see them. So oh, what that's happens, interesting. And a lot of and and this is what was my big you know my big right bucket yeah let's get to the, the yeah thing. let's get to your problem with the this is actual my problem. ceremony or was your is your problem with oh, go ahead tell what yeah so basically you know being backstage and seeing what how it was being presented versus reality was really upsetting to, to actually see not only for myself but everybody who was in the press room and what happened was is you've got these awards like, you know, best scenic design, best lighting design, best, uh, you know, uh, costume design. And they're not aired during the, live during the actual broadcast. They, they show them in a kind of a montage of like awards that were passed out earlier in the evening and so to speak. Right. But the way they present it on the screen is it makes it sound like this was like the first two hours of the show that they didn't broadcast, but they had this whole other awards ceremony that we just weren't able to see. That's not the case. What happened is they would actually go to commercial live. Uh, Jesse Mueller and James Englehart from Aladdin would come out. They'd quickly read off the nominees for Best Scenic Design, present the award. The person would come up on stage. They'd give like a 30-second speech. They'd usher them off, and then they would come back from commercial break. Wow. So you've got all these historic all-female team to win Best Score of a Musical. That's never happened before. Mm -hmm. Um, Women have won it in the past, but this is the first time that a woman won for music and lyrics. And they were presented during a commercial break. And you, the disgust that you, I've never heard, like, I've never felt palpable disgust in a room before. So how how did you feel it? Like, were other people displaying their... Oh, my God. I I couldn't say the words on this podcast that were being (laughs) shouted out. Uh, like this room. is and like they would say this is garbage that this is garbage this is that they're doing this like exactly. in reference to the award ceremony so is that the award ceremony doing that or is that CBS doing that the problem that you have and this is what's never been explained is that you've got producers obviously of this this telecast but to be quite honest with you the Tony Awards don't have the ratings pull to really probably have their own team so this I'm more than willing to bet uh, without confirmation, BS production team that was basically just producing the awards ceremony. It wasn't like an independent, you know, this is the Tony's gotcha, person. Gotcha. So that person is not going to understand the gravity of certain moments. And that was really upsetting to really see live because you had all these amazing things happening and nothing was being mentioned. I mean, you know, for another inst- another example, The King and I, which is a production, you know, being Korean that I am, I'm kind of, you know, sensitive and biased <laughs> towards Asian-ness also, that was that was a great post yet on <laughs> like Facebook that? about <laughs> about being congratulated on the street. <laughs> of course, and you were like, oh, "I'm not going to correct them. When's the next time I get congratulated yeah, exactly. winning a Tony?" <laughs> so you've got this production of King and I, which accepted is racism. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'll take some of that. <laughs> all right. I hey, think... congratulations. Um, all right, all right. Thanks <laughs> Thank a lot. Thank you. Uh, and I do a couple bows and I <laughs> <Yeah>. walk away. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you saw this, but on that Facebook post, the King and I actually liked that post and like 
thought it was hilarious. So um, that was really cool to see. Hopefully, you know, that got shared around the cast pretty funny. Um, but no, yeah, you had imagine, so the oh, I couldn't really imagine their whatever they go through. Just <laughs> right, exactly. On a daily basis. Whatever they see on Facebook. Oh. But so you got the King and I, and it's a production that has got I think two or three Caucasian actors, and everybody else is Asian, like okay. everybody. Which is and which is way different. Usually, it's a little opposite, right? Very much opposite. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this is the only production, and I, I I looked this up that is three and O for Tony Awards when it comes to best musical and best revival. It won for best musical in uh, I think it was nineteen fifty four. I could be wrong, but it also it's two. Um, revivals that qualified for best revival of a Tony uh, for of a musical for a Tony both won. So it's the only only musical that's three and zero, and it's a musical that has an almost an all Asian cast. Was that mentioned at all during the telecast? Absolutely not. Ruthie right, Ann, right. first Asian performer to win a Tony since Leia Salonga in nineteen ninety one. Um, was that meant, was that mentioned at all? No. So like I said, they just didn't understand the gravity of, of certain moments that Tony viewers, especially new Tony viewers would have really loved to hear about because that might've inspired them to, you know, obviously get involved in theater. Right. Where, uh, when you watch the Academy Awards, they will, they will tell you some stats. Like this is the first year that 10 movies are nominated or right. this is the first, you know, this is the first time Scorsese won for best director, you know, even though he was snubbed, you know, they'll go into something and that's, that's what makes the awards interesting. And you right. get to read about that pre ceremony and you get to read it or listen to it during the ceremony. And it's I just remember that one ceremony. Do. Yeah. That was, um, I think Peter Coyote was the announcer. It was like, it was the weirdest yeah. ceremony I've ever seen. <laughs> and he gave like a lecture on each person as they're walking up to the stage. <laughs> I'm like, and like, his favorite color is blue and he likes pizza. And it was just an overall um, really bad uh, ceremony. It, it well, one you know, of the worst, yeah. Uh, you know, well, the Tonys, I, I could see where people don't tune in, even being big fans of theater. All right, this is my take. This is the Ben Frehley spin when they show, you, you know, Dan's take on the Dan Patrick show. He's like, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I, I don't feel the same way, and a lot of people think this, about – theater on TV as opposed to theater in real life. Total visceral experience as opposed to, oh, that's cool. I can see where that would be great on stage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Am I totally off? No, I, th I don't think you're totally off. I mean, it, it's very tough to watch live theater on a television screen. Right. It's, it's, live theater is obviously best done in the theater. You, it's, it's an atmospheric type of form of entertainment same thing for a lot I, I i feel the same thing about live concerts i can't watch a concert film because it's not you're in that arena feeling the music feeling the vibe of the audience things like that same thing for theater and mm -hmm. uh, or you know same thing as watching a, a really great movie in your living room by yourself like it's not the same effect so but with theater it's a little different because it's like there's just so much that's it's an intimacy about theater that is felt so when it's played on a grand scale it's not really going to translate to people you know, in, a, in, a, in the best way possible. Right. I feel the same thing about those NBC broadcasts of live theater, like when they did Peter Pan and, yeah. oh, you know, perfect. all that stuff. I mean, perfect. Yeah. I mean, I, you watch that with some people and they're like, oh, you see the strings. It's like, yeah, <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Like, if yeah. we didn't see strings, uh, we need to be prepared to be worried because <laughs> right, exactly. there's some super, supernatural <laughs> stuff going on. What's going on? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think I, it was so funny because I remember last year when they did Sound of Music, um, 
people got really upset that they didn't film the opening number like outdoors. I'm like, it's live. It's eight o'clock at night. They're filming it on Long Island. Like, where, where is she going to go run right now? She's going to run, like, you know, Bayonne. It's gonna be terrible. So, yeah, people, I mean, that's the thing about theater. It's like, I, I think people can suspend their disbelief to a certain level, but when you present it on screen, um, it's it's tough, and you're, especially when you're taking numbers out of context too. I mean, when you're just playing popular musical numbers that people have no idea, like who these characters are. Sometimes it just you know, right. it, Sometimes it just doesn't translate. Right, like oh, is she in love with him or he? You know, I don't know the right. show, and then you're just watching the number. You're like, yeah. So that's true. It's it's not that build up to that number, you exactly. know. And and um, but and you see, know what I wish I what I miss is back in like. You know, when they had these things on PBS and they had like six hours that you could, you know, devote right. they actually used to do medleys and actually explain the plot of the show before the performance. So at least you got kind of an image of, you know, what was actually going on. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I, I can see it's it's one of those arguments of, you know, two hours of a ceremony, so to speak. Um and you got to squeeze everything in. But at the same time, it's like you can't miss these moments. And if you know, I mean, Lisa Cron and, and Janine Tesori for Best Original Score, they were the clear-cut favorites. I mean, mm-hmm. they could have easily have televised that award and they would have been fine. So it, it, it was just a really bad moment. And then obviously the end of the show uh, was kind of like the worst moment uh, I've ever seen where basically you've got the best musical winning Fun Home get up on stage, they start their acceptance speech, and all of a sudden, it's the last award of the night, keep, keep in mind, Right. Um, the playoff music starts. And everybody in the press room was like, why are they playing them off? And then you saw in, with horror that they were bringing out Jersey Boys to sing the closing number of the show. And you're like, unbelievable. And that was, yeah. that was the final straw for a lot of people that were in that room. And it was, it was really um, shocking to see live. It, like you said, it, it was a general CBS producing crew mm-hmm. that sounded like it. Let's just produce this thing. Uh, let's get the guys that produce right. everything. It, it's not something, someone that actually knows what's going on, that knows mm-hmm. the gravity of what's going on in that award ceremony. So cool. Yeah. So that was, and, and, uh, Hey, uh, I, I can't get out of this. Well, without saying, you know, boss to you for getting invited, dude. Oh yeah, to the, <laughs> That's to the, pretty uh, awesome, dude. It was one of those things where it's like back in like April, uh, we saw that they just they there was a uh, posting on their website where it was like, you know, if you wanted to apply for press credentials, you know, apply here. We're like, um, okay, like we took a shot in the dark and we had no awesome. idea if it was going to happen. And sure enough, they sent us an email, um, basically the Wednesday before the Tonys. Oh, geez. saying yeah, it was that late. Uh, hey, we're going to give you press room. Um, you know, we were in a tizzy, but uh, it was awesome going down there. And what was shockingly interesting about the whole thing was it was really blase. Like you had this one credential, but that got you pretty much anywhere you wanted to go with the exception <laughs> inside the theater. Like so, it really, so, so a laminator and Photoshop could... <laughs> uh, pretty much. I mean, if, if anybody was dumb enough to take a picture of their press credential and put it online or something like that, Right. It's easily it's it was very easily co- uh, copyable and um, you know I you know was on the red carpet and walking around and it was just like wow I, I I'm probably not supposed to be here right now but no one is kicking me <laughs> kicking me out That's so wild. it was really kind of interesting to kind of be able to walk in a lot of different places but yeah so I want to talk about the um, I want to talk about local theater for a little bit 
yeah. we talked about that for a little. How your blog kind of started just reviewing local theater, mm-hmm. maybe a couple uh, comedic pieces, maybe a couple. Um, but I and I love those pieces, you know, and and, and I love how you guys do uh, blogs about going to college for theater that hits home. Yeah, <laughs> going, to, going to Elmira <laughs> for theater, and yeah. of course that hits home and stuff. Um, but local theater. So I am currently in a show. I've I've been dropped out because you you know you and me we got little guys, so yep. our uh, free time is limited. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> but it's what I find really interesting about doing theater this year, and I as opposed to two years ago, I did all my sons. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm doing Cuckoo's Nest, and. The prevalence of technology backstage is huge. Mm. <laughs> so we're no longer <laughs> talking, uh, bonding, really. Mm-hmm. A lot of people on cell phones, Kindles, reading Game of Thrones, personally. That's there just me. <laughs> That's what you're but, doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, in, in my weird acty head, I thought... Since I am playing a catatonic character, I don't want them to look to me for a reaction. So I don't want to build a real strong bond with these guys. No, you're right. Where if I was part of the Stooges, you know, <laughs> of Cuckoo's Nest, um, I'd want to get that gang of brothers together. And so it, you get a sense that we're bonding up there. You know what yeah, I mean? That we no, see each other. So, but I wonder if that's going on everywhere. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I'm wondering, as I'm sitting backstage watching everyone talk on their cell phones and not talk to each other, even though we're not supposed to be, you know, uh, is that going to happen in the audience as well? That's a really good question. Um, Lack of connection on stage and lack of connection from stage to audience an argument that lack of connection is happening everywhere just because of technology in general, you know? Exactly. I mean, people are walking into fountains on their phones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Making the greatest YouTube videos of all time. (laughs) No, I think you're, you're absolutely right though. I mean, I did a production of, I, you know, I, I rarely act anymore. I mostly direct and I, but I don't, you know, when I'm directing a show, I don't see what's going on backstage. And, but when I, I was in a show, um, last year and, it was my first show almost since college. I mean, that's how far back uh, it was since I acted. And you're absolutely right. The the method of getting to know people backstage, bonding as a cast, I mean, it was gone. It, it really was. It was so interesting. I, and I remember, you know, you and I, when we were in, like in Antigone. I was, just thinking, I was just thinking of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'd going. be playing yeah. cards. Like we'd actually right. be playing cards on stage. Yeah, we played Rummy. Oh, who's the other kid's name? What was his name? Steven. Uh, yeah. um, oh, God. I forgot his name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were actually playing Rummy up there. I remember like one night, I think it was like Final Dress, we were actually like, playing. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> oh, crap. I got a line coming out. <laughs> <laughs> like Lee's on stage waiting for his <laughs> <Q-line>. <laughs> But yeah, like that's and but that was the cool thing to do. Like we, and like and for all the shows back then, I mean, we would really bond either backstage or we'd go to Denny's after rehearsal and things like right. that. Right. None of that happens anymore. And I, I think it's 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 spread everywhere. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think it's a technology thing. I think it's a communication thing. Um, I think, you know, to me, I think, and this is not a slam on community theater. 
but as much as people want to make it and say that, oh man, yeah, we're a tight ensemble, it's all about that, it's really an individualist type of setting for theater. Like you're, you're not in it for the, the camaraderie anymore. You're doing it for the roles. You're doing it to shine on stage, huh. to get your moment in the spotlight. I just don't, I don't see, when I go see these you know, large ensemble shows, I'm not you know, cohesion between the entire company anymore. It's like you've got the principal actors and they're over here in this group and the ensemble is over here in this group. And then the lead actors are almost kind of in their own little you know, bubble of themselves. And there's no like intertwining between the, the casts anymore. Right. So, I mean, think of that show. I mean, you bring up that show. I mean, how many lines did I, I was guard number one or whatever, but right. how many lines did I have? 50 tops or something like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, we had small parts and we're still doing that bonding method kind of thing. Right. And I mean, we're talking about ensemble cast where you're on stage the whole time. Cuckoo's Nest. You know, you got mm-hmm. six guys on stage that are just band of brothers. Right. Um, And that's an interesting thing. Will we see a little more of a, it's almost like a baseball team versus a basketball team. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a, it's a team sport, but when you're in the batter's box, your team isn't in there with you. You're you're exactly. just up. You know what I mean? When you're in the spotlight, you're just up there by yourself. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. You know, that it all comes down to show selection for these theaters. Not a lot of theaters anymore pick truly ensemble material. It, you, it's like you know, they're picking the Bye Bye Birdies, the Annie Get Your Guns, the, you know, these these shows that have that one person you focal. Right. Three or, or three or four people. You know, you got right. protagonist, antagonist, girl, best friend. Like love interest. Exactly. And then the chorus. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Right. Right. I mean, there's, there's, it's very, I mean, one of my favorite plays out there right now is called The Boys Next Door. And. It's a, just a completely ensemble piece. Like you can't tell who the lead role is because everybody's kind of coming at you at once, and you just you you don't see that because for some reason audiences now. And once again, I think you nailed on this as well. There's less of that connection right now. I think the problem that you've got is lack of attention. People can't put down their cell phones anymore. It, I, you know, I call it Apple picking. Like they just can't stop with their phones. I mean, you're asking <laughs> them to you know put <laughs> away their phones <laughs> exactly. Don't look at anything. Just concentrate on what's on stage. People can't do it anymore. And um, I think the rise in popularity of – I'm not going to even call it dinner theater because I think dinner theater at least gets it right. You've got too many cabaret-style theaters out there that you know people can bring their own food. So you've got these people bringing in meals and they're trying to watch – you know. Um, an intense drama, but you know the intense drama is competing with the sound of like tin foil and you know knives clanging against plates and you know glasses drinking. It's going to separate the audience from the, the stage even more. So it's like uh, the impromptu session by Boz Skaggs and Mr. Show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's such a random reference. <laughs> such a random reference, or even like even more random if you have ever seen Soap Dish the movie, like Kevin Klein's trying to do Death of a Salesman. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> What, like, what is he doing saying? Henry V or something like that? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and the audience is like, what's he saying? And then like someone drops their plate. I mean, it's awful. Um, but, um, you know, I went to go see a production of A Few Good Men a couple weeks ago, and it was just like that. You've got this great drama unfolding on stage, and someone dropped their can of soda on the floor that was full. And so it hits the floor, it starts spitting, yeah. you know, right. soda out, and, you know, all the people at the table like oh my god you know clean it up clean it up and it's just it's just one of those things where it's like you you know in a regular theater setting that doesn't happen and right. you know 
even now when, when you go to a Broadway house, they're selling all these concessions now before the show, during the intermission. So people literally are sitting in front of you eating candy, drinking wine out of a sippy cup. I mean, it's awful. It's right. And I, I remember when awful. I was a kid, when I'd go to the Goodspeed black box mm. with my grandfather and, you know, they had concessions, but it wouldn't be – it was very old-timey, even in the 1980s. But right. uh, they wouldn't have movie theater popcorn. They wouldn't have crunchy things. Mm-hmm. You can get, like, little tins of, like, hard like, – you that know what I mean? It. Yeah. It's probably, you know, a major loser for the theater. <laughs> they're probably not making a lot of money on concessions, but – No, that's that's the confusing thing. It's like they're not making a lot of money on concessions, so why do them? So it's it's right. it's weird. Yeah, right. And, I mean – I think it's it's tough. I, I think it's getting tougher for theater. I mean, when we were in college, which was fifteen a billion years ago, yeah, exactly. It was getting tougher back then, you know, just because of movie and DVDs were coming mm-hmm. out, and it was just e- like home video was easier, and now it's getting way easier. It's so crazy easy. I mean, right now I have four screens on while we're doing this podcast <laughs> my attention i'm kind of talking to you but i have like right. 80 things in my brain right going on. exactly and you got probably a baby monitor in the background going oh, oh of course yeah you got it, you got it. So. yeah did you go for the video video i baby? did now oh. yeah i've got i've got it on the app actually so i've got like it's kind of <laughs> creepy yeah you see my like my ipad like and it's it's weird <laughs> I'm watching him sleep. That's awesome. You're that guy. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> I'm twiddling my, my fingers as I watch him sleep. <laughs> and every time he moves, I'm like, whoa, whoa, is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I forget what I was watching. It was like something like, oh, it was uh, Orange is the New Black. <laughs> and they're watching the video monitor. She's like, uh, do you think he's dead? <laughs> yeah. and, and that goes through your mind. Yeah. Oh, oh I must. It must be oh, like crazy. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> It's crazy. So anyway, Chris, so we're going to get to a little uh, – we wanted to do like little segments in the show. We just didn't yeah. want it to be an open forum. So uh, this next segment is called The Five Questions. Nice. So uh, give me a little mute, and uh, we'll get to some five questions with Chris Peterson right here. So this is uh, – me and Chris, we're from – we're – we know each other. We're both from Connecticut, but we're states away. So in this segment, I'm going to ask Chris Peterson five questions. He has no idea. There is no right or wrong except for what I say. So here we go. You're listening to the On Stage Podcast with Chris and Ben. It's time for five questions with Chris Peterson. All right, Chris, are you ready for five questions? Let's do it. All right. We got uh, five questions, not necessarily theater, not necessarily, I don't know, anything, but just, uh, it's uh, it's what I want to ask you, you know? Anything, yeah, exactly. Okay, number one. All right. And these are just for you. This isn't (laughs) for the blog. This is just for you. Okay, ready? Perfect. Number one, what is your dream role? Ooh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I'd love to play someday is Ricky Roma in uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. <laughs> Partially because it, it's never going to happen. And, <laughs> and, but it's, it's like that, that personality is so far removed from who I am that it would be a nice challenge to, 
to really get into, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. The, 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 of course, the Al Pacino, right? Right. Yes, right. of course. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you company man. I don't know. Child. you a child. Give me a stick of gum tell you how to chew it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, now that, that role is great. And I actually saw Bobby um, Cannavale. Uh, do it a couple years ago on Broadway, and wow. he was actually really good as well. So that's cool to see that yeah. on Broadway. That's I really that's wanted fantastic. to see Liev Schreiber do it, um, but that I didn't get a chance to see that production. But um, I think that was the same production that Al Pacino was doing Shelley Levine, which would have been really okay. cool to see. So yeah, that's sweet. That's, yeah, but Ricky, Richard Roma. Richard, my name's Richard Roma. <laughs> my name's Richard Roma. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me just want to play the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite phony folk. <laughs> that, I mean. Yes. Do I know Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross? Yes, I know it very well, but I know line for line, word for word because of the glitch <laughs> for the phone <laughs> that calls. Great. Oh. All right, here we go. Yeah. All right, so you're doing a lot of directing recently. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, how do you help an actor get into a character if they're not going in the direction that you want them to? That's a great question. The first ask. The first question. I know I it's ask, a great question. I came up with it. Um. <laughs> The first question I ask them is, "What do you want? Like, what do you think your character wants? Like, mm-hmm. let's like that. It's the easiest question to ask. Who are you? What do you want? And that's where the conversation begins. And slowly, through communication, you, you hopefully get to the point where, you know, you can find a good balance if they're not necessarily going the direction you want to go in. Um, you know, it could be a character choice on their part, and to that point, you kind of try to explain to them that may not fit what, but. Um, I just, it's, it, you got to have that open communication, uh, you know, with an actor, so to speak. So, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like wants, needs, that's a very modern way of acting. And yeah. unless you want to just have stick figures up there and people, mm-hmm. uh, oh, well, I did that one paper on, uh, acting and it was called, uh, you know, when, when you're scared, you put your hand above your head. Mm. Uh, it was like the old timey, like vaudeville kind of acting, you know what I mean? Where you're playing big right. houses and you just had to act like that. Or you were in a talkie or you were in a silent movie and you just had to act big. So, exactly. yeah. So I feel like that's, that's a great, great answer. That's it. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? All you right. Answered. Okay. Number three, favorite Broadway experience. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> that's that's a really tough one. Uh, we talked about a lot of Broadway in this. Oh, Broadway. Yeah. This one. But this good. is a good question. Um, honestly, it, it's I've seen a lot of Broadway theater in my lifetime, but one of the, the one of the productions that um, was my favorite and that I'll probably never forget as long as I live uh, was uh, it was the revival production of uh, Inherit the Wind. Mm. Uh, and I saw this like it was like I think I was like either in ninth grade or in middle school. But it was with um, George C. Scott and Charles Durning. Wow! Playing like the two of them just going. I back. think if you told me that that's that's yeah. nuts. It was, and even as a middle schooler, I mean, you know, you when you're doing a, a live drama to an audience, you know, a matinee audience where half of the audience are you know kids from school, and no one is talking. I mean, you know, you're talking about rambunctious. You know, pre-teenagers, and George. When George C. Scott comes in, and when that booming voice, um, it was huge. Like the audience just, it was amazing uh, performance. <laughs> and just like to watch him and Charles Durning, who probably is one of my favorite 
character actors, definitely underrated, like never really got the credit he deserved. Um, like just watching the two of them go back and forth. It was, it, so I wish I had been a fly on the wall in the rehearsal process for that show. Like it was that good. So definitely that was, that production of Inherit the Wind is, is sticks very high in my mind. Nice. Nice yeah. answer. Fantastic. There we go. Let's roll. Here we go. All right. Just straightforward. Musicals or dramas? Dramas. <laughs> My <Yeah>. man. <laughs> Never say die. Okay, that's it. We're not talking I about it. I can't sing, so there you go. Yeah. We're not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two different people. Mm. Two different people when you're, uh, they're talking and you're like, oh, what, what, uh, anyway, <laughs> oh we're, <laughs> you're going to get some bad, <laughs> you're going to get some, uh, like, some Facebook comments now, on exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, now that, yeah. I thought, man, I thought you were more of I don't know what you know, about your it's, character. You know, it's, it's, you know, musicals gross more, but, uh, you know, I, I've always thought that, you know, acting, you know, drama wins out. You know, it's, it's, you see more musicals that are being based on original pieces of drama and, you know, books and things like that. So it's, you know, it's not the other way around. You don't see a play being based on a musical. And so. it's really interesting when you, I mean, rarely do you get someone, right? Like a, like a quadruple threat, mm-hmm. a Hugh Jackman, right? Right, where the guy's just a beast. Mm-hmm. He, he's a literal Wolverine, where he can play Wolverine, he can act, he can sing, he can dance, you do everything, right? Right. Normally, you get someone that can sing vibrato, crazy voice, and then they get like the small part in the drama play, and right, their projection's not there. Even though you know they go to sing a song and they're blowing you out. But mm-hmm. they go to talk. They can't translate it. You know, it's it's almost two different. Uh, it's all theater, but right. it's almost like two different media. Two different disciplines, two different training systems. I mean, you know, very rarely do you see a, a musical kind of get that nuanced with when it comes to acting, so to speak. Right. Um, like Fun Home would be a great example of a show to go see for that because it's almost watching a live drama just happens to be set to music. Hmm. I think Sondheim for the most part is probably the best at that, at doing that. He's definitely one of the first. I mean, before him you had, you know, the Jerry Herman doing, you know, hello Dolly and all that right, stuff. Right, Roger right. The Hammerstein. Well, you, but, but you know. even though there's drama and musicals, it's almost like there's not that subtle drama. It's always like, um, I can sing, I got right. a vibrato, uh, and I can cry on command. Mm-hmm. That, that's what your musical actress really can do. And it's not that she, you know, I mean, there's such a slow build in like a, right. I don't know, like a Tennessee Williams or an Arthur Miller. There's like, he's kind of semi sad and he's <laughs> semi pissed and it's only act two or what, you know? So, well, it's almost that. like with musicals, everything has to be exaggerated. So like if right. you're, if you're happy, it's got to be like, oh, my God. If you're sad, it's like, oh, my God. It's, everything's got to be so exaggerated. That's why everybody's mic'd. So this way they can really, you know, get that emotion out. But with plays, I mean, you can go – the levels are, are, you know, incredible. And that's why I love, you know, where I live and, and being in Connecticut because you've got, like, the Long Wharf Theater. You've got Hartford Stage where you can go and see some really great drama and be right on top of the actors – that you can't really do that with musical theater that much. So, right. yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. All right, finally. Mm. <laughs> number five. Yeah. Favorite George Takai quote. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Well, oh man. I mean, quote or word. Or, I mean, <laughs> we've been pretty good at keeping this podcast pre- PC. So PC. Um, well, I mean, you know, can I t- I- can I tell you mine? Go ahead. Uh, well. Uh, no, no, no. It's no, not no, pronounced no. agua. It's aqua. <laughs> well, it, it was so funny. So I, I don't know if I saw, I haven't told you this, but um, I saw, I met him at the Tony Awards. Oh, um, no way. Yeah. Ugh. So like I, during my time on the red carpet, I kind of positioned myself like at the end of it. So like when the people that were walking down it, they had to pass me to get into the theater. And George Takai was like one of the first people to arrive. Like he got there really early. And you know, he's walking in and I, and I just kind of, I wanted to blurt out something from Stern because that's like the first thing that my mind goes to is like <laughs> Howard Stern. But like, I, I just, I don't know what came over, but I just said, hey, you know, you excited to be here? Uh, or no, yeah, it's like exciting, isn't it? I said, exciting, isn't it? And he just goes, it is. It's my <laughs> first time here. And he's oh, like, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, never been to the Tonys before. So, and then he just kind of walked on and it was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Oh. That, that was like, that was, but was you wanted like to that. say like, I'm a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a turtle. Um, but he just walks by and he goes, it is. And it was just like that. It was the, it was everything about George Takai that you could possibly want in like one sentence. He gave you everything. So the guy, if I could have his like second resurrection of a career in anything. Yeah, seriously. Do, like, oh my God. Well, I just remember how it started with a prank call to him, and then Shatner was in, and yeah. and then you hear stories about him and Shatner, but even Shatner goes, oh, you should call George, get him in here, he would love to be in here, and boom, it's just, it just and, he, and George was still married when he came in for, to right. serve the first time. So yeah, right. I think that was a big part of the process, you know? But yeah, he'll be on Broadway next year. He's coming to Broadway this year. Well, fall. that's why I bring it up. You know, I mean, yeah. he's at the Tonys, and he's doing that Battle show Legions. and stuff. I mean, that show's been in a, around at least since 2012. Okay. It's been kicked around. But like, well, he, in that documentary about him that mm. I watched, uh, they talk about them doing that show. Yeah. No, it's going to be, um, you know, just kind of backtracking to the whole Asian thing. I mean, that's, that's going to be huge for, you know, Asian performers and things like that. I mean, and it covers a very interesting time in American history when you're talking about the, the internment of the Japanese, like... Nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> well, I mean, even Stern was like, George, you know, pick a cheerier topic for a musical. Like, it's like, you know, well, like here Steve we are was... talking about musicals without drama. That's some, that's some drama right there, there in a goes. musical. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it, it's one of those things that's like, you know, Steven Spielberg could do a movie about everything about World War II except for the internment of the Japanese. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, there, he might have touched upon it. Right. In 1941, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it is like worse than <laughs> I'm going to get a bad Facebook post from Steven Spielberg. Steven yeah. Spielberg. <laughs> I just got unfriended. <laughs> oh, man. All right, man. Hey, well, this was the first show. I yeah. thought it was a pretty good run. Uh, so, Chris, uh, how can people get a touch of you? I, I At the end, I do uh, onstageblog.com, but tell us some other media that they can get in touch with the show or you or sure. whatever it is. Well, we're, we're definitely on Facebook, so you just look up onstage. It's two. Even though we kind of list ourselves as one word on Facebook, we have to be two words, so it's on space stage. Um, but we've got a great Facebook page. Like I said, that's that's where a lot of our following is. So we'll post our videos, obviously all the, the articles that go on the site. Uh, we're also on Twitter at onstageblog.com. Not as popular. I'm not a Twitter guy, 
So um, I actually hired, excuse me, I hired someone to do Twitter for us. So, and she's been great. So hopefully that kind of launches um, next, but I, I really don't understand Twitter. So um, I don't do it. Takes care of all that. Um, but I also have my email at cpeterson at onstageblog.com. If anybody wants to write for us, I mean, we're always looking for writers. We're looking to get new writers. Yeah, how, do, how do you, how do, do just people email you yeah. articles or just well, email I, you and I, just ask? Email me and ask, say, you know, I live in such and such location. I'd love to write about, you know, topics A, B, and C, or I want to review shows or anything. And like I said, you know, what makes us different than a lot of publications out there is I'll almost take anybody because I feel like anybody, everybody's experiences when it comes to theater is interesting to someone else. And, you know, you can write about any topic you want on here and someone's going to find it interesting or agree with you or vehemently disagree with you, but they're still reading your work. So, um, like I said, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a degree in writing, if you've got journalism experience, come ask me. Um, and like I said, cause I want, I want this, this community, this, this blog, uh, to be for everybody. So like I said, if, if you've had a lot of experience or none at all, or are really interested and involved in writing about theater, Definitely get in touch with us because we'd love to have you uh, on the side as well. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, and uh, great. You know, thanks for doing this, and I I hope you know it uh, gives a little variety to your page. Right, exactly. A little yeah. different media. I mean, yeah, I, right. I, I'm glad it's not just me by myself because that would be <laughs> really boring. Um, so hopefully, people have listened to the end of this. But yeah, no, it's it definitely i think it's a great new step for the for the the direction of on stage to go in so yeah yeah and and you know maybe next time we'll hit some other media but we hey we stuck with some theater this time it was pretty mm. good so i thought we were going to be like you know me i'll be all movies and stuff so maybe right, we'll, exactly. we'll focus up a little on uh, just i i like just being uh talking about entertainment in general i think right. that'd be a great direction so we can just keep going and hey uh i would be kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for a hole if i didn't bring up uh thespian today oh christopher lee uh 93 oh. so uh one of my faves uh i don't know death rights of dracula oh my god uh, frankenstein ad I, i'm gonna put you on the spot i'm gonna put you on the spot yeah. what is your favorite track in the movie with christopher lee if you had to pick one to watch, like like to celebrate him, and you gotta pick one to watch right now, what would you do? Uh man, I think it's called the Tomb of Dracula. Ooh, it's okay. definitely a a Hammer film. I mean, nice. he started in the older because he's in <clears throat> Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. He plays the creature, and that's like late fifties, and he plays the Mummy, which is a Hammer film. But right. I believe it's called the Tomb of Dracula. And it's really nice. good. Yeah, it's. Just... I go with. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Mine is uh, "Taste the Blood of Dracula." Have you ever seen this? <laughs> no. I, I mean, I probably have. <laughs> 1970. Um, oh. So basically, there. Uh, it's it's a ridiculous plot. I can't really get into it, but it's it's like him at the tail end of his like prime as Dracula. Yeah. And where he was just obviously just taking anything. Well, I mean, but we're talking. He played Dracula for almost 20 years straight. Like 55 to like 75. It's crazy. Right. I mean, he's bringing it the entire movie. I mean, (laughs) it's it's the worst production value you've ever seen, but he is bringing it. And um, obviously, you know, from from Lord of the Rings, I mean, he just kind of caught a whole other audience. I mean, you know, it was interesting. I was on, you know, I'm on a college campus right now as you speak. 
And when news broke, everybody said, oh, my God, Saruman. From Saruman. Right, so not like, Dracula, Saruman. Right. Exactly. So, like, it's it, – that you know – I even go back to like you know the man with the golden gun, which is a great James Bond film. Well, like. my favorite, one of my favorite movies is uh, Horror Hotel, aka mm. City of the Dead, and I posted on my Facebook. That's public domain, by the way, and that's on YouTube. The whole thing, and it's it's oh. great. It's cheesy. Yeah. I mean, it's quoted or it's sampled in a Rob Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. You can't beat it, man. No, <laughs> or, uh, not a Rob Zombie. Uh, Rob Zombie song. So. Mm-hmm. Was he? He was also in the Wicker Man too, wasn't he? Like the original Wicker Man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, he was in. He was in everything. I he mean, was in he was everything. He was, we could go on all day. Oh, talking about. do a whole episode on Christopher Lee. But yeah, no, really sad day for for a lot of people that loved classic horror and like B movies and all that stuff. So wow. yeah, no, really sad. But right, what Chris. a what a life. So hey, man. Well, yeah. Hey. So good work. And uh, let me uh, get us out of here. We'll get uh, great. But. I thought it went really well today, and uh, we will see everyone later. See you, folks. Thanks, everybody. You have been listening to the On Stage Podcast with Chris and Ben. The views and opinions are for entertainment purposes only. For more information, please go to onstageblog.com. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.